What an amazing morning this has been. Goodness gracious, if it gets any better than this, you know, we'll just go ahead and be with Jesus. And in these days, I find myself praying that a lot. Lord, come. Even so, come. And, um, and he is. He is coming. Now, uh, today, I want to um, focus. Oh, by the way, all you that are visiting online, we're just so honored you'd be with us. And... Um, we want the Lord to reach out, touch you, do something really powerful where you live. Where, you know, I was thinking about all those revivals that have touched our lives over the ministry and, and uh, the recent North Georgia. But the revival that we're a part of in Africa is a pretty big thing too. And, and uh, we're just so grateful that we get to be a part of these days. How many of you are glad you're alive in this hour? You have to remind yourself daily how honored and privileged you are that the Lord would choose you for such a time as this. Now, today is really important because we're living in a, um, well, I guess one way to put it is this is not a drill. This is not practice. This is the real thing. And, uh, you know, I, I know that we overcome the accuser, but we overcome the enemy and all that is emerging on the earth by the blood of the lamb. We make sure we're washed in the blood. We overcome by the word of our testimony and we love not our life unto death. That doesn't always mean you have to die, but it does mean dying to yourself every day. We love not our own lives and we're dying to ourselves daily. So if you die daily, the ultimate death is no big thing, is it? You're already dead, but we know that's part of it. But the, the what I want to focus on today is the word of your testimony. And uh, so in just a little bit, I have to cover a few things. It's part of the role of a shepherd, but, but we want to work on the word of our testimony. And I want, I'm going to challenge you this week to write down 12 to 15, 10 to 15, whatever, key points that that you, that's part of your testimony, that you remember that God spoke to you, that's something he revealed to you, he made alive, you know, does this make sense? And I think it will. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to share a lot of mine. We're going to be a lot in Second Timothy. I didn't realize that until last night. I thought, wow, there's a whole lot of my own personal testimony out of the book of Second Timothy. But, I, but that's going to be your homework. This is not a day just to come and boy, that was a good message or a rotten message, whatever you know you leave with. But you know, it's a, it, you're participants, so you have homework. You're gonna, I'm going to check it twice to see who's been naughty. No, 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 not checking. No, but just write it out. I'm telling you, you're going to need to develop the word of your testimony so that you'll have that and you can remind yourself and you can remind hell itself who you are and what God has done in the past and what he will do. How many of you know he's the same yesterday? And so what he did in the past, how many of you think he might be doing today in your life? And he will do in the days to come, regardless of what comes in those days. Now, as a shepherd, 
You know, you're supposed to fend off the wolves. You battle with wolves, bears, lions. And I've done some of all that stuff. But you have to also encourage the sheep to beware of the wolves and to make sure they can fend for themselves. And, uh, you know, we are equippers. We're all a part of the body of Christ. There are no superstars. I only know one superstar. His name is Jesus. And everything is going to be summed up and wrapped up, focused on him. He's the one. Now, the gospel is the good news. Are we all in agreement on that? But do you know it's also a lot better news with the backdrop of really bad news. It becomes really good. It's like if you have a little light, you walk in the darkness, that light's going to be a lot brighter. And um, I was thinking this morning, you know, I always wonder, you know, you sure, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> you know, I just, those are part of what I ask. And uh, he said, remind them that Psalm 23, you know, you got to know that all these promises, these good things that are spoken in Psalm 23, it's while they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, why would he make all the, hey, you'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're going to have to walk through a valley of the shadow of death. You, the Lord is going to prepare a table before you. Surely in goodness and mercy, your cup will run over in the valley of the shadow of death. So these are interesting times. Some of you are wondering where we're going. We're going to get to this testimony quickly. But, you know, we don't want to be blindsided. We're to be as the sons of Issachar. You have an understanding of the times. You're not walking around with a blindfold on. They tried to put one over our mouth. They probably would love to put one over our eyes. And they've done that. They've been doing that. You just sometimes you can't see it, but I heard this week and um, I checked it out that we may run out of diesel over the next three weeks. How many of you heard about this? And I heard about that and I checked it out with some sources and it's true. And then Tucker Carlson also ran a program. Do you know what that means if we run out of diesel? You know, just think about all that's brought to us on trucks and you will have some understanding there. And uh, so it's not a matter of fear. You know, the sons of Issachar, they knew what was happening. They had an understanding so they would know what to do. It's an hour to know what to do. So if you don't have an understanding, you won't know what to do, and then you'll just be called blindsided. We're not asleep. We're not the sleeping church, nor are we the woke church. I refuse to be a woke church we're an awakened remnant, and we're going to walk that way, live that way, talk that way, act that way. And, um, you know, I was thinking about all this diesel and what that means. And, you know, things, I, I know we hear things and then they never come to pass. Eventually, things will come to pass because this world is passing away, but the kingdom is coming to pass. So anyway, I, I remembered author Blessed. A big influencer of my life, along with many, 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 many people. But Arthur, one time, you know, he didn't have a lot of money. He carried the cross around the world. Everywhere he went, he just carried the cross on his shoulder and go to jungles and continents and 
rain and snow, and he was better than the mailman, man. He, he just went everywhere. And uh, they reminded him one time, Arthur, you don't have a lot of money. He said, I'd rather be broke and have the anointing of the Holy Spirit than all the money this world has to offer. And I was just led to remind you that our greatest commodity is the anointing. And if you have the anointing, they may run out of diesel, but we're not going to run out of the anointing. It may make us go after the anointing a little more. And faith and perseverance. So anyway, I would just encourage you as a, a, someone standing in a pulpit, don't put your trust in man. Men are going to fail you. There's a lot that want us to run out of diesel. It's, in fact, it's probably part of the plan. But anyway, how many of you know that God is faithful? You know, I remember here's, I'm just going to think a lot about my testimony. I'm in college washing windshields. You know, they used to do that at gas stations. And I wanted a job, and so what they pay me? 50 cents an hour? I don't even know. But I was washing the windshield. And I was washing one guy's windshield, and he had a shirt called Born to Lose. It said Born to Lose. I thought, man, this guy cannot know Jesus because you, you might be born initially, but if you're born again, you're born to win. And the Scripture says we always, say always, we always triumph in Christ Jesus, even if the diesel runs out, even if the stores, even if. We always triumph. See, we're going to have to know the Scriptures, stand on the Word of God. And then in a couple weeks, my lovely wife over here is going to be leading a workshop on alternative sources of power and how to stand. And, you know, um, in light of the threats of nuclear things that are happening, and uh, my thought was, well, why should the church talk about stuff like that? Most churches steer clear from that. But many people are talking about it, they're thinking about it, and leaders are talking about it. Militaries are getting in position. And the Bible even talks about what will happen, how their eyes will dissolve. I mean, I'm not going to go there this morning because we're not promoting fear, we're promoting faith. This is not a woe is me message, it's a wow is God. But you have to talk a little bit about things. And um, Now, this is not thus saith the Lord. This is thus saith David, my own opinion. This is my opinion. They would have already detonated a nuclear device. They were going to. They planned to. Was it, what, two weeks ago, whenever it was, it was all in the news, and one country started blowing, sounding the alarm, and they started calling all their buddies and telling all the world leaders what was being planned. In my own opinion, this is also found in 2 Timothy. It's like Janus and Jambres, those corrupt men. And it said they will progress no further and their folly will be made known to all. One of the ways that you spoil the plans of the enemy is make the plans of the enemy known. The folly known and he'll back up. So anyway, I don't know about all that. That's not of thus saith the Lord. But I know that Russia is prepping their people. I know that... They've received the news from our P-51 
Pentagon that we will strike first. So they are pushed into a corner. They're converting their parking garages into shelters. They're stocking existing shelters. They're making, they're getting water and sewage. The Department of, I don't know what you call it in, in there, but they're actually drawing yellow lines Markers so the people will know how to get to the nearest shelter to where they live. And I was thinking, you know, how they're preparing to save their people. And we're preparing to make sure that every child has their shot before they can be allowed to school. Anyway, I'm not going to go there because that's my flesh rising up. You know, and so you got to stay in the spirit. But I have to mention one more thing. Then I'm going to get to my testimony. It was a couple Friday nights ago. If you weren't here, you need to go back and watch that. I felt like I was supposed to share. A prophetic friend of mine called me and said they had a dream about me. And I was warning my church that war was coming. And I knew this person and um, knew them and know the reputation. So what do you think I'm going to do? Chicken out? Yeah, most shepherds, they're not shepherds. When the wolf comes, they scatter. But a watchman warns the people. And so I did a study. I said, well, Lord, has there been others in church history that have warned about nuclear, not nuclear so much? Maybe so. But anyway, there were many, and I kind of mentioned some of those. There was one, Dmitry Dudeman. He was a Romanian. He was in prison under communism, and God sent him to America to warn America what was coming. And he didn't want to come. He couldn't speak English and didn't want to speak English. So he brought his son, and his son interpreted for him, and he traveled around with his vision of what was happening or what was to come. And then there was a man by the name of Henry Groover. How many of you heard of him? He was the man that made prayer walking famous, and he would walk he just walked through neighborhoods and cities and downtowns and demons would scatter when Henry Grover showed up. And he had an amazing vision or dream. He saw, you know, missiles being shot out of from the Atlantic to the Pacific. It's where many subs can be found today. And anyway, that was a, an amazing... And then, now, some of you are saying, well, I ain't heard about those guys. What about church people? Well, no, Henry was a major one. Both of them were major believers. But also, Kenneth Hagin. How could he talk about that? He's a man of faith, the word of faith. He had an incredible vision where he came... He fell under the power of the Holy Spirit, and he said the Holy Spirit showed him what was coming. Now, you can go back and, and listen to that last Friday and just reminding, trying to be faithful. Then A.A. Allen. Now, he was a healing evangelist. How many of you ever heard of A.A. Allen? And he shared a vision that he had, how he saw the Statue of Liberty, and uh, the Lord came, a hand came out of heaven and took the torch out of the statue's hand and put a, placed a cup in that hand. And the statue spoke, and, and A. A. Allen said he was stunned and uh, said, I'm not going to drink this cup. And the voice out of heaven said, no, you will. You will drink this cup. 
And anyway, at the end, there's a good story in the ending because remember A.A. Allen in this vision, he heard all of these singing and songs and rejoicing, people worshiping hidden in caves and barns and back alleys. And anyway, there was a great rejoicing. They had hidden themselves for such a time as this. Now, I'm glad nobody left yet. You're thinking about leaving, aren't you? No, because you know, you've been around, you know, we don't, we don't leave you hanging. But I want to show you something. Look over in Jeremiah 28, and then I'm going to go and go quickly through this testimony so you will do your homework this week. And um, there's a reason for this, a real reason. But anyway, I want to remind you, in Jeremiah 28, anyway, Hananiah shows up. And he says, hey, guys, God's going to break all this stuff. Everything is going to become rosy and peace and safety is coming. And Jeremiah, it's not that he disagreed, disagreed with him. He said, boy, let it be. Amen. According to your word. And Hananiah was, you know, I'm going to break the yoke of the king of Babylon. But then Jeremiah, he said in verse 7, Nevertheless, hear now this word, that I speak in all of your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets, verse 8, now this is a real key. The prophets who have been before me and before you of old prophesied against many countries and great kingdoms of war and disaster and pestilence. And of the prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, the prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. So what's he saying in that? He said it's, it's not the ones who prophesied of war and famine and disaster that you need to be concerned about. It's the ones that prophesy of peace. And when their word comes to pass, then you'll know they were sent. Do you understand that? When I saw this, it changed my mind of some things because I know how we run to those who prophesy peace and safety. But that's part of the last day ministry. Now, it's not a ministry. It's part of the, the deception. Did you know that, now this is what I, last night, this is the way messages come. I, the thought came to me. You should look up and see how much of history they actually had peace versus they actually were having war. Over the last 3,400 years of history, I mean, no, that's a long time, humans have been entirely at peace for 268 of those years, or just 8% of the time. Most people that have lived on planet Earth have been familiar with war and famines, and great challenges. And then I, f I saw this, because over in Jeremiah chapter 15, Jeremiah, he probably battled false prophets more than any Old Testament prophet before him or after him. He was continually confronting the false prophets. And, uh, and they, they were saying, no sword or famine will come to this land. But the problem was, there was coming a sword, and there was coming famine, and Jeremiah was the only one that was trumpeting 
And, and what I read was is that all of these other prophets had an opportunity to be revivalists. They were supposed to be revivalists. That's part of your message. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. You have to cover both. But they, they turned away from their calling and preached peace rather than the price of sin and the remedy that's available to all. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Real revivalists tell you what's happening so that you'll turn to him and find the one who's happening overall. Does that make sense? I'm learning these things too. Now, let me remind you of this, and then we're going to get to the main thing today, and it won't take too long because I have your attention. Because if you got up now, we would, we would know you got up. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just the way it is. <laughs> anyway, I'm having the blast. How many of you? We're going to have a lot of fun in this hour. Man, I am not going to be depressed. I am impressed. You look at yourself, you'll become oppressed. You look at the world, you'll become depressed. You look up, you'll be greatly impressed at what our God is doing and who our God is. Because Psalm 23 doesn't begin with, hey, you're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It begins, the Lord is my shepherd. You know who he is. You look at life as it is. And then you're built up in the promises of God, knowing what is to come. Does it make sense? Okay, this, Romans 14, verse 17. The kingdom of God is what? What? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now that means, and we've discussed this before, righteousness in the midst of wickedness. The most wicked, wickedness you could imagine that there is going to be a standard of righteousness. That's who we are in this wicked generation. And peace, what does that mean? In the midst of war or whatever comes our way, whatever storms, we have a hallelujah in the storm. What a prophetic song. And then you have joy, regardless of what sorrow may come your way, you have joy and you know that joy will come in the morning. Amen. We could go home there, but I wanna, I'm going to challenge you. Okay, this week, your assignment is to write down 10 to 15, 12 things that God spoke to you at certain times in your life. Now, let's go to 2 Timothy. Here we go. This won't take too long, but it's, it's like a mandate. Man, I'm glad I get to preach mandates. This is not message number 368B that I pulled out of the filing cabinet and brought it out for a day like this. We've never been in a day like this. I hadn't seen, how many of you have seen stuff like happening right now on the face of the earth? So we've never been this way before. You can't do things as you have learned in the past. I had a dream one time where I was anxious, I was getting ready to preach, and I was looking in the filing cabinet, and nothing was there. That's a good thing. That was a good dream. The Lord was telling me something. You ain't going to have anything in your filing cabinet. You better hear from me. So anyway, 2 Timothy, and um, we'll just look in verse. Let me just give you the context real quick. Here's a fly. I got him. You're going to have to swat the Lord of the flies because the lies... 
And you, listen, it ain't happening. It ain't happening. I'm, anyway, I'm glad that fly landed right there. It just reminded me. You, you know what you do with flies? You swat them. Lies, you swat them. And you say no, thus saith the Lord. All right, so Paul is reminding Timothy about it, the faith of his grandmother and the faith of his mother, and he said, I'm convinced as in you. And um, he, she, he was convinced. And I think that's a word for us, that the faith that you and I are walking in, we can pass on to generations to come. But anyway, look down now in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Now, we're going to get into the, you know, Andrew Brunson teachings here in the next, next real short amount of time. I hope you listen to Andrew's powerful. But he goes on, he says, who has saved us. This gospel who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So Paul is drawing attention to the testimony of the Lord, which we know the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. What does that mean? It means that Jesus, through his life and his teaching and His own testimony was like shouting the witness of the Father, the testimony of what God is saying and what God is doing, who God is. That's what prophecy is. You're hearing, thus saith the Lord, in the now. And Jesus was the now of what God has spoken all through since all of time, but he is speaking now. And there's much more to that. But then Paul, for for what we want to go through today... He not only spoke about the testimony of the Lord in verse 8, but his own. His own. Now, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and we love not our life unto death. We must have a testimony. In order to have a testimony, what must you have? A test. So that you can record how you made it through that test. And then remember that your God has been faithful to you. And uh, so anyway, now Paul in particular, he reminds them, hey, I am his prisoner. Now that ought to, man, that should send lightning bolts because he said, I'm his prisoner. Here's Paul in prison by the hands of men, and yet he was not in prison to men. He was a prisoner of Almighty God. He was a prisoner by choice to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a prisoner to Jesus, what, what's, what, hey, they may throw you in the deepest, darkest dungeon, but if you're a prisoner of the Lord, you have a different agenda, you have a different mindset, you have a hope, you have a different everything. Now, I want to share with you about my own personal testimony. Now, you've heard some of you bits and pieces of this all through and I've been here forever. I've been here. This is my 15th year. <clears throat> and that's how you, you, man, there's a lot of stuff that's happened. A lot of demons have come along. A lot of all kinds of stuff I wish I could, but that, I'm not going there. That ain't what I'm going to talk about. I don't want to give any glory to the devil. 
I just want you to develop your word of testimony. And here's some scripture, Deuteronomy 8.2, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart as to whether you would keep his commandments. Deuteronomy 7.17, if you should say in your heart, now listen to this, these nations, in other words, all that's happening on the earth right now, Lord, this stuff is bigger than me. God, their giants are rising. They're enemies. They're not just over there. They're within our gates. They're in the highest positions of this nation. God, do you not know that? God, are you not paying attention? But here's what he said. If you should say in your heart, these nations, you know, how can I dispossess them? For you shall not be afraid of them. But you shall remember, say remember, remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. So they had to remember what God had done in the past so they would have victory in the present and be assured of victory in the days to come. Hebrews 10, 32, but recall the former days in which after you were enlightened, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. So here's some things in my own life. Okay, you guys with me. Here's what I discovered. I was writing down the word of my testimony because I have a feeling I'm going to need to remember this. And the first one is, is how he has used even my greatest failures to bring about his ultimate victories in my life. Now, this was one that I learned that I just, it took me a while to really grasp how this was really true. Now, I know in verse 9 of that text in 2 Timothy, he saved us with a holy calling. He gave me a purpose before time began. But how do you walk in your purposes when you mess up? When I went to college, you know, they told me, don't, you know, bad company corrupts all this, you know. But, man, I was looking for any friend I could find because I was all alone and and uh, my dad and my mom dropped me off in Louisiana. My dad told me later that my mom cried the whole way home. And, and uh, my dad stopped one time and said, you want to go back and get him? And um, anyway, they didn't. But they should have. <laughs> they should have. My dad should have listened to my mom. And because uh, she had a feeling that her son was going to uh, encounter some giants that I hadn't faced down in South Louisiana in the bayou. I mean, we had some things down there. In fact, I saw the other day a picture of a gigantic crocodile or alligator they found down in Florida. If I'd have seen something like that where I grew up, it, you, if you saw it, it's online. It's like the biggest alligator I've ever seen. You know, did you, did, man, did you know there were things that big in some of the places we would swim? You know, it's... Absolutely crazy, but anyway, I started looking for a friend, and I'm walking along the bayou, and there is a real bayou desert, and I'm walking along, and there's some guys outside with a little fire smoking something, and so I thought I'd go over and introduce myself, and anyway, next thing I knew, I had some new friends, and um, things started happening. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Now, I know you guys think I'm a little angel. You didn't know me when I, I had no angel. How many of you, you were not an angel 
and I got arrested. I got in trouble. I got arrested not once, not twice, but three times. Now, it was nothing to send me to, you know, San Quentin or Angola, but they could have. I mean, it was really, I was majoring in those days in stupid, and I was stupid, absolutely stupid. That's the only way you can explain it. Stupid, 18, 19-year-old, God's dealing with me because in that same period, he's calling me into ministry, and anyway, stupid. And um, now listen, okay, I'm going to just skip a lot because I want to get it all in. Okay, years later, I answer the call to ministry. I'm in Texas going to those James Robinson Bible conferences. I told you about all that. Milton Green, James Robinson, Dudley All, Jack Taylor, all those guys. Anyway, I'm walking from the hotel back to the convention center. Now, I thought I blew it, you know, because let me just tell you what happened first. When I applied, I applied for the Fort Worth, Texas Police Department because I was majoring in criminal justice. That was my major. I mean, I'm struggling about ministry, but I thought, well, maybe I could be a police chaplain. I don't know, pray with the people as I'm taking them to jail, whatever. I just, I'm pursuing my career. Okay, so Fort Worth, Texas Police Department calls me up after I apply at some time. They said, sorry, son, you've been in too much trouble. We cannot hire you. And I, I remember thinking, man, you've blown it. You're going to college to be in criminal justice, and you you already blown it. Then I thought, well, the military. Anybody been in, how many of you have been in the military? I thought, officer's training corps, because a friend of mine, a good friend, he wasn't a bad friend. He's a good friend. He was in officer training school or whatever. So I thought, well, I'll try that out. And they, too, told me, son, you've been in too much trouble. I'm sorry you can't. We can't have you as an officer in the Marines. And that really threw me in for a hoop. Now, I know nobody else have done this, but there was a night where... Now, I lived in Olin Hall, the seventh floor of this dormitory. There was one night I was so depressed. How many of you remember some of those times that I actually put my foot up on the railing and I thought about it. I thought, you know, I'm on the seventh floor and I had my foot up there and this is what came to me. Man, that's a long way down there. I'm, what if I change my mind on the way? You know, that's my thought. What if I say, wait, I didn't mean it. So anyway, I took my foot off that railing. But anyway, okay, so years later, I'm walking from the, no, from my hotel to the convention center. I look up, there's a sign. It said, Fort Worth T Police Training Academy. That way. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, do you see, do you see how I used even your failures to bring about my perfect will in your life? And I remember I was blown away. God, that's incredible. Don't you know I failed? But anyway, how many of you know God will do that for you? Do you know Romans 8.28 is the truth? He causes all things. All things, all things to work together for good to them that love God. Now, no intercession is part in the context, but those that love God and are called, called according to his purpose, even from the foundation of the world. The second thing, that sometimes my failing to fully believe God could not stop God from still being God. 
and being good to me. Now, I know that in James, you're not to be tossed about by every, you know, wind and all these things. Because it says, let not that man believe he's going to receive anything from the Lord. But I found there's another side of that story. In, um, you know, the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, go ye therefore into all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, and all things. You know in that scripture it says the 11 disciples went away to the mountain that he had pointed for them. And then it says, and when they saw him, they worshiped, and some doubted. You, how many of you remember that? They worshiped him, but some of them doubted. I wonder, those who doubted, missed, did they miss out? And I was thinking about all this. How, how many of you, now you may be a super saint, but I'm not, I'm just me. And I was so encouraged the other day of hearing David Ravenhill. Now some of these young guys, they pretend nothing's happening, but the older guys have a little framework here. We've been around, we've seen things come and go. We know how life is working a little bit better. So anyway, David was concerned. Man, I'm concerned and I'm the same way, and I'm glad I heard that. I'm concerned with my granddaughter's future. I'm concerned. God, what if they try to jab her? You know, there's things that I... How many of you think about sometimes some of these things? Now, maybe you're a super saint, and you never think about it all. You're just... Man, you got to read all of Psalm 23. And you know, you... Well, God, they're talking about nuclear war... I know these people are stupid. Some of them are just demonic. Some of them, I really believe, now this is, my, this is not thus saith the Lord, but I believe if we walked up to some of these people and peeled, we, tried, we peeled their face, the mask off, you'd see a demon behind those eyes. They're real demons. I'm, they have been, I know the scripture says, they've been taken captive by the devil to do his will. But it also says the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience. And he's at work doing what he's supposed to do, steal, kill, and destroy. But anyway, let me just jump down to a scripture. Remember Mark chapter 9. And this father, his, his um, son, right? He's got a demon. And he's foaming. No. And he brings him to Jesus and the moment he sees Jesus, he falls to the ground, starts wallowing, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus said, how, how long has this been happening to your son? The father said, from childhood. But a lot of times the demon throws him in the fire and throws him in the water. I hope it was in that order. You know, no, no. If he throws you in the fire, maybe the water, second to have a little mercy. I don't know the order of that text. There's still a fly flying around, man. It's just a reminder. Hey, listen, guys, we're in this thing together. You just, you keep pressing on. And now if he's got a big stinger behind him, I may call Shirley. Help! Shirley, get the flies water. You know, we literally have wasps coming in our, our gas heater now like crazy. The fireplace. Yeah, the gas fireplace. Wasp. I see them all the time. And, and I don't know what, what are they doing? They're looking for cover, looking for somewhere to hide. They ain't nowhere to hide. Not in this, they ain't nowhere to hide. But anyway, you remember, okay, stay with me. 
So anyway, so the father, they throw him in the water, they throw him in the fire. But Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then you remember what the father said. He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, God. Father, I've seen this happen. It's happened since he was a child. Lord, that's all I've known. I do believe in you, but help my unbelief. I'm struggling to believe that you truly are faithful and that you can do this. And what did Jesus do? And man, the boy prayed for him, fell to the ground, lifted him up, took authority over that demon, and that little boy was set free. And I just, I I don't know if that speaks to you. There's some of you watching right now. Man, there are things going on in your life. You've received some, you know, diagnosis, and it looks impossible. And that's your prayer right now. I mean, you're just dealing with it. There's people in the church that say, well, you just got to have faith. But you feel like your faith is the size of a grain of mustard seed at times. Well, that's all the faith you need. That's really all. That's it. You don't have to have some gigantic. Man, I believe I'm a mighty man of God. No, you're a man or a woman of great need. And you can confess that need. God, I believe, but I'm telling you, I'm having a hard time dealing with this unbelief. And you're going to find that God will still be faithful to you. Now, the third thing. He's never left me, not one single day since I invited him into my life as a nine-year-old boy. Although he reminded me of what it would be like if he ever did. Because I remember walking along that bayou. I may have shared this years ago. But, man, I was brought up in, in where we always went to church. My dad had me in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. Wednesday night, if they had something on Friday, Saturday, we were there. Now, I wasn't always paying attention to what the guy up front had to say. Sometimes I was thinking about what I was going to do when I got home, you know, that afternoon, the football game, or maybe I was thinking about Brenda, Betty, or Beth, or, you know. No, actually, I was thinking about, uh, this is way before, I was thinking about peaches, because my, now she knows all about this. My first girlfriend, her name was Peaches. Peaches Meavers. And I hope she's not watching this. Maybe it'd be a, you know, I don't know, but anyway, I, I, Peaches. She was pretty as a peach, man. Anyway, I'm not going there. Surely I was, I was really, really just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to say all this. I didn't listen to what they had, had to say. So anyway, but I listened a lot. My dad had me in church. And I'm so thankful. My dad, I, even if I didn't listen to my spirit, there was something happening. You know, that, man, I remember in Sunday school, the guy told me one day, you know what it means to call Jesus Lord? It means you call him your boss. I've never forgotten that. I don't know if that's actual Greek word. All I know is it's a good word and it worked. And it's something I'll never forget. But I, I remember all these things. So anyway, I'm walking across Bayou Desert with my books in my hand. And I'm, I'm, I just told the Lord, I'm a freshman. God, would you leave me alone for a while? I am, I'm tired of doing something, feeling guilty about it. I want to have fun. Look, I'm at college. 
you know, I, I want to enjoy life. Would you please back off a little bit? Just leave me alone. Anybody else? Anybody else? Am I the only dummy in the crowd? And you know, you know what it's like. I'm tired of feeling guilty. Anyway, so God reminded me. He actually, it's like he put me on a leash. And he just said, okay, go. Go. And that's when I got arrested. It was during that season of time. Once, twice, three times. But he never left me. I remember I was in a place I should have not been. There was a lot of people there. And I'm not condemning the people that were there. But for me, I was not supposed to be there. And I remember literally thinking, God, you know, I'm not supposed to be in here. But that was the key. I was thinking, God, I'm not supposed to be in here. Now, if I'm thinking that, you must be in here with me. God, when are you going to get me out of here? But anyway, he was with me. He was, how many of you can testify? Now, look, you younger guys, look around at the older saints. If you're over 40, raise your, how many of you know he never left you one day of your life? Not one single day. He's never left me for a moment. And you think I'm going to doubt that he's leaving me now? Ain't no way it ain't going to happen. And then Matthew chapter 6, 33, I've shared this. I was walking in seminary. This, a lot had happened, obviously. And I'm walking along Lake Pontchartrain, and the Holy Spirit says, I'm, I just read Matthew 6, 33. He says, if you do your part, I will do mine. If you seek first my kingdom and righteous, my righteousness, that all these things will be added unto you. And it took God a long time to be faithful to that. And I had to wait. How many of you had to wait for God to do things in your life? Guess what? It's a privilege. It's an honor. I remember looking up one time. I probably should have looked it up again, but I, it was something about when you're waiting on God, it's like twisting you in the perfect will of God. It's like you're being tw in this twine. It's like something God's molding together with himself, his own nature. While you're waiting, you're being made into the image. You're, you're, you're walking with him. Anyway, it's an amazing thing to wait on God. Say, I like waiting. Because you know what? Those that wait on God, they're going to renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings as eagles in this day. They're going to run in. They're not going to be weary. They're going to walk, and they're not going to faint. Say, I'm not going to faint. I just read yesterday, maybe Friday, Intercessors for America. They were talking about how so many intercessors have grown faint. Many of them have taken their foot off of the accelerator. And that's part of what we're trying to do, what these guys were trying to stir it up. No, no, get back in the fight. Get in the fight. There's things going on that you know not of. It's not as bad as what the devil says. There's just some things you don't know that God's doing. So we're trying to encourage people. But we must make a decision. I will not faint. I will not faint. And because if you don't, you're going to reap. And then the next thing that I learned is that I can't, but God can. I want to show you this. Look in John 15. Now, these are times in my life, understand that it's like I was somewhere where the Lord just made this real to me. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's not just some lesson or a message or somebody's sermon. Man, this was real. This was real. And in uh, John 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. 
and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Now, I've learned that. I'm just telling you, I've learned that many times. And I always go back to this. Because you could become offended, you could become discouraged. But I remember you said, God, we don't really have a choice. Either you're going to take me away if I'm not bearing fruit, or you're going to prune me if I am. So that you may bear more fruit. How many of you found the Lord is faithful in that? It's a biblical principle. Then in verse 4, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And then he says, I abide. He who abides in me, I in him, bears much fruit. The word abide means remain, continue, lodge, sojourn, last persevere, be constant, settle in for the long haul, stay, wait for. And I remember the time when I, I literally came to that conclusion because I was reminding God, God, I can't, I can't. Anybody else there? I can't. As if he's deaf, I can't. And I remember how he responded. He agreed with me. Yes, you can't. But If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear fruit. You can't, but I can. You remember that little dumb childhood thing, that train trying to make it up the hill? I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It doesn't matter how many times I tried to think I can. I couldn't. I couldn't. There are many times I could not make it up the hill. Well, quit thinking you can and know that God can. God is. God is. I am who I am. Listen, if you don't need the great I am, then just, you know, but I need God as a great I am. How many of you need him that way? And he is. He is. Well, I can't. And then another thing. Those who trust in the Lord, I'm going to skip through this one, will lack no good thing. You've heard all those stories. Here, here's some scripture. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken. Now, that's one you probably want to remember today. Everything. Wait, I'm like Mount Zion. Man. And then those who trust in the Lord will not be disappointed. Now, I could have gone into this. This is a whole different thing. I found out that my disappointments throughout my life led to God's divine appointments. Anybody else feel, learn that? Things I was greatly disappointed in, they were only markers to the place of divine appointments that God had set, and he was just waiting for me. Anyway, and then the next thing is those who trust in the Lord shall not be ashamed. We're not going to be ashamed. Not going to be. And then another thing. Now, here's good. His ability to speak to me is greater than my ability to hear from him. His ability to speak to me is greater than my ability to hear from him. Now, I learned back in those days during the James Robinson Bible conferences that, that not only did God write a book, he had a voice. Because I started hearing, you know, hey, wow, the Holy Spirit's speaking. The first time I heard that, I thought that was spooky. You mean God is speaking to you? And then I realized, wait, he's not only speaking to him, he's speaking to me. My sheep hear my voice. I've drawn, man, I have. How many of you have ever been there? Wait a minute. I'm 
if it seemed like I'm confused, now God's not the author of this confusion. I believe by faith, God, that I am your sheep and I hear your voice and another voice I'm not going to follow. And I believe in you, Lord. You're going to show me the way to go. His ability to get my attention. You read over and we'll go there some other time. We'll go into detail, but, but we've been there before. And, but over in Job 33, you know, God may speak one way or another, but man does not perceive it. He doesn't, he doesn't get it. So in a vision or a dream of the night, God will rise up, give him a dream. How many of you, the Lord's spoken to you in dreams? It's the most amazing in this journey. You younger guys, I'm telling you, it's an incredible. You may not know what to do, Rick, and then all of a sudden, God will give you a dream. Last week, I had a dream about the message and how I was to insert a certain illustration. How does God do that? The only explanation I have is that God is, he is God. He's a pretty good God. He's way better than I could be. In fact, when I try to be God, I usually mess things up. I've had dreams got me here. I'm standing here because of a dream, and I've shared that where Bob Jones appeared in my dream and all these things. And then here's another thing. And then his ability to lead me far exceeds my ability or ableness to follow him. I remember when the Lord made that real. So you think you can follow me fully. And that's the calling. God, I'm supposed to you to follow you. But I found that he has the hard part. My part was to say yes. And God would engineer the circumstances so that I would make sure I'm at the right place at the right time. And when I got out of the wrong, when I got in the wrong place, the Holy Spirit would convict me, speak to me, and direct my ways. I'm fa- I found that Psalm 32, 8 is real. For I Faithful, I know the ways, the things I've planned for you, and I'm going to lead you in a way which you've not known, but I'm, I'm faithful in God. How many of you know he's faithful to you? I've gone my own way many times. In fact, there's a way that seems right, feels right, looks right. Everybody else says right, has got to be right. Wrong. <laughs> no, there's God's way. Forget what everybody said. It's what God said, you're the way. So he said, Here's, it boils down to this. Come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. I can't figure it out how he's going to make me, but he made me, and he's making me now, and he will for you as well. Amen. And then he would never send me except to the places where he himself would go. I remember walking on heritage ground. It was after it closed down and all that turmoil. Before Morningstar bought it, walking around, we lived there for a short season when I was Rick's ministry assistant. And I remember the Lord, it's like he just stopped me. He made he just stopped me in my tracks. Because I'm saying, God, how are you going to work all this stuff out? God, how are you going to do this? How many of you have ever asked God how? How, how, how? And anyway, the Lord spoke that promise in Luke 10, 1. He says, I will never send you except where I myself am about to go. I said, okay, God, that sounds like a pretty good promise. So everywhere he sent me from that time, I believe, wait a minute, you would not have sent me here except you had a purpose in getting here before me and you're, you're here while I'm here and you're here, you're here. So that's just it, period. I've never, I'm not doubting it. 
And they were going to need him especially in the times that we're living in right now. I just want to touch on this. We'll go later on. But people send me stuff all the time. I'm not saying don't send me stuff. I just don't always have time to listen to all of it. Sometimes just send me the bullet points, you know. But this one, I don't care, bullet points or not. I listened. It was like a book that I could not put down. And it was about the Antichrist and that he's alive on the earth today. And it was about how he's been hidden in plain sight. Anyway, so I started listening. And I've heard these kind of things before, you know. And so I was thinking whether well, be any moment I'll, you know, turn it off. And, um, but I couldn't turn it off. And I kept I said, whoa, this man has done, this is incredible research. This is amazing. These things cannot be happening by chance. This stuff's real. Then I was thinking about over in uh, 1 John that he said there, there will be an antichrist and there are many antichrists, and by this you will know it's the last days. No, in other words, it's not, we're not supposed to just ignore everything about what we hear regarding the Antichrist. If anything, it's just a sign to remind us we're living at the end of the age, in the last days. And the one way that you'll know the Antichrist or the Spirit is by the level of lies that are being promoted, like the father of lies, the fly, the, the lord of the lies. Well, right now, about everything they tell us is a lie. So you got to be really discerning. You got to know the word of God because the father of lies has infiltrated the leaders of the land and they're speaking openly about what their father has to say. So you're going to have to know the voice of your father. But anyway, so I'm saying all that. We'll get into that sometime. I might even ask that guy to come here because that's part of our message. I've heard people say, well, don't worry about the Antichrist. Well, I'm not going to worry about him, but it's one way that I will know we're living in the last days. So there's reason that the Scripture includes the information about the Antichrist. And, and by all appearance, I'm telling you, when you listen to this, if you want it, see, uh, see Lisa. I'll get it to her, that, and she'll send it to you. But I'm just telling you, you won't put this book down. I'm going to see if we, he'll come and just share with us. What, what is Wow. But anyway, I'm saying all this to get here. Remember what Jesus said. He tells them all these things are going to happen. Oh, by the way, when we're talking about war earlier, you know who the most famous preacher of all time that also preached about war? You know who that was? Jesus. He said there will be wars and rumors of wars. See that your heart, see that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass but the end is not yet we know what the end the gospel of the kingdom but anyway I was thinking about Matthew 24 and what does he promise right at the end because you and I are living in these hours he said lo lo I am with you always even until the end of the age now what does he mean by that that means you ain't going into the end times without me buddy I, you listen, I ain't letting you go in this thing by yourself. I who am in you am with you. In fact, you know that scripture, he that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. That's in when you conf you're being confronted with the spirit of Antichrist. 
So the Lord says, okay, you're going into the end of the age, but I am with you, and I will not desert you, not now nor ever. And then the next thing, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. We're going to wrap it up here pretty quick. Are you guys still with me? 2 Timothy. I don't know what happened to 2 Timothy. Oh, there he's, he got lost. No, he's not lost. Maybe he's supposed to be lost. No, there he is. He showed up. Chapter 2, verse 11. Remind them. Now, here's something else. Remind them. Remind them of these things. Charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit. To the ruin of the hearers, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. So here's something else the Lord taught me. I remember the day. The greatest degree you will ever earn in this life, it's not your BA, your MA, your DA, your GA. I'm not going to tell you what that is. It's the AGA. AGD, that's what it is. You're approved of God degree. If you're approved of God, you're accepted in the beloved, and it doesn't matter who's against you, He is for you. Right. Oh, here's something else. Look before that, verse 13. If you are faithless, He remains what? Faithful. He cannot deny Himself. I remember the time when God made it plain that even in your times of faithlessness, I have remained faithful to you because I cannot deny myself. Do anybody see that? Say, God is faithful all the time. Even when I am faithless, he remains faithful. And then just two more things. One thing that he got my attention with, I'm in Waco, Texas, you know, praying about a wife. I prayed about a wife a lot in those days. And I've shared with you, I would complain to God, why have you sent me into this journey alone? You said it's not good. And, and you know, I just went in there. And, and God showed me the name of my son before I even had a wife. Yep. And as I think back, he also showed me the name of my daughter. Both. Now, wait a minute. God's going to show you the name of your son and your daughter, and you don't even have. Shirley, where are you? Where, are you? where were you? She was nowhere to be found. But I know I'm going to have a son and a daughter. And anyway, and God spoke to me one day. I'm kneeling down after my complaining. I did a lot of that in those days. I'm just being honest. And the Lord said this. He said, I have Isaiah. He says, the word of the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, nor the mouth of your descendants from this time forth and forever. And I remember it was like, whoa. God, this is good. The word of the Lord is not going to depart from my mouth, nor my descendants. And it ain't going to happen. I don't care what's coming. Hail or high water, the word of the Lord is not going to pass away from my son and my daughter and my granddaughter and my descendants from this time forth and forever. And then the last thing. Is an, this is what he told me. Okay, I've got through all of my hard times I'm surrendering into ministry. I have that encounter at Ridgecrest that night where I knelt down, opened my Bible, and surrendered to the preaching the word. It was a genuine calling. 
That's why I can't understand when people say, well, I've always been called. You have? You know, maybe. Maybe it works out for them. But for me, it was a genuine. I mean, I knew. I knew that I knew, and I remembered. And I'm anyway, I got back home in Louisiana, and someone said, you know, you need to make that public now. Because in those days, we made everything public. We should make now public, because if you deny him before men, he'll deny you before my Father in heaven. So anyway, I'm standing there, and I'm holding on to the back of the pew, and I've surrendered to ministry, and I'm chicken. Anybody ever been chicken? You know. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, until you take the first step, you will never know the thousands that will follow. Okay, God, you said if I take the first step, there will be thousands. And all I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you, there have been thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. And there's going to, and in fact, this journey does not even end. It's going on forever. You know, it talks about the everlasting gospel. You know who's going to be preaching that everlasting gospel? I'm one of them. No, I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know the steps, they never end. And really, one more thing, because I have to do this. And because it goes into 2 Timothy. Oh, man, it's only 1210 we have all day. (laughs) Christmas is not until the 25th of December. Where did October go? And now it's November. Soon. And by the way, you said it. You know, they say tomorrow is the devil's holiday. Well, I think every day is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. We're going to have to talk about the day of the Lord. Why did you call it the day of the Lord? Probably because it is the day of the Lord. It's the Lord's day. And we claim tomorrow for Jesus Christ. And in this region, we declare our God, as we sang this morning, reigns over Wilkes County, North Carolina. And over our families and our children and our grandchildren. And we thank you the blood of Jesus is more powerful than the blood of all of the demonic hosts and all their schemes and plans. We declare Jesus is Lord. And tomorrow doesn't belong to the devil. It belongs to our God. And he is Lord. Anyway, here's the last thing. And it goes to that night. I'm a pastor in West Virginia, Silent Grove Baptist Church. That's where it was. And we had a prophet. We we wanted to know everything there was to know about God, didn't we? Praise him where I didn't, man, you get to raise your hands? They didn't tell me that when I was a kid, so I wanted, man, I want. Those were the days we played praise and worship on a CD. We didn't have any orchestra. Cassette tape. I'm sorry, cassette tape. And there were times the the tape would get stuck. And so you'd, you'd bang on it and just go right on and worship. You ain't going to mess my worship up. Anyway, this prophet, this lady, she stands up and she says, I declare to you, you will never be a dripless candle. 
I've shared that before, and I, at first I didn't get it, being from Louisiana. What, what does that mean? <laughs> Lord, you're going to have to interpret that one. And he did. Your fire will never go out. Your fire will never go out. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. I want to show you this. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given you a spirit of fear or given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. So in other words, he wanted to remind young Timothy, hey, in fact, you should read all of the book. There's so much I didn't really get to. This is the book about persecutions and afflictions and suffering and the call of God and all these perilous times, wonderful days on the earth. But he says, I've not given you a spirit of fear but of love and a power and a sound mind. How are you going to be reminded of that? Well, in verse 6, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Now, the word stir up means to fan the flame. That's what it means, fan the flame. You know, he's not the one who breaks a bruised reed or puts out a smoldering, dimly burning wick. He's the one that comes along and fans the flame. How many of you found that to be true in your life? There are times it looked like the flame was about to go out, and all of a sudden, God walks in the room, and he fans the flame. (sighs) (sighs) And that's the way it's going to be. Our fire ain't going out. I'm sorry for using ain't, but it ain't. It ain't going out. I don't care. It's going to burn. He's the flame He's the one that began it. He's the one that keeps it. He's the one that sends the breath of heaven and blows upon it. So I want to pray that over you, okay? I want to just pray for that flame to be stirred up. We're going to have time around the altar. Some of you need to come. We'll lay hands and pray. But I want to just pray that that flame will burn. Now, I want to remind you this is an assignment. I did this for purpose, okay? You're going to need to make sure you have your word of testimony at least to some degree at your disposal. Now, we know it has to be here. It has to be here, here mainly. But, but don't just... I know the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance. I know that. But I'm challenging you now as a shepherd in this hour, an under-shepherd, okay, just under him, the great shepherd, write it down. I mean, there are times in the Bible they were commanded to write these things down. Write them down. So I'm going to encourage you to do that and then just um, keep them close to you and know that he that began a good work, he's going to complete it, okay? So go ahead and stand. You guys can jump in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to pray. And how many of you need this? Did God speak to you in any way this morning? Okay, just, Lord, we just surrender to you. Just yield. Just, Lord, we thank you. Now, you know, it's not the word of man. It's the word of God that will endure forever. And you test all the things I've shared. Because there are many different voices out there, and they all have a part. They all have a piece. And I'm not discrediting any of them. Some of them need to be discredited, but there are a lot of them that are godly, and they're hearing heaven, 
and they're getting their instructions for the hour. So we need to hear all that you've got, God, all that you have. But Father, I want to pray over everyone in this room and everyone watching right now. And I thank you, God. I prophesy over them that each in this room, they will, they will also, they will never be dripless candles. That the fire will never go out. And I pray, God, that there'll be a stirring of the flame of heaven and that they will be set ablaze regardless of what is thrown against them. I thank you they will continue to burn. And I prophesy that over them right now. And I thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy. Now, Lord, I thank you for the word of our testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. And we love not our lives even unto death. And I thank you, God, that you're faithful in this hour. Even when we are faithless, you remain faithful. God, I thank you that when we have a hard time hearing, you don't have a hard time speaking. I thank you, God, when I am tempted to go my own way, your way becomes that way which is more focused in my eyes. Somehow, Lord, you make your way known to me. And you promise to do that. And I thank you, God, there's no failure. There's nothing. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. And I thank you for the promises of the word of God. And I thank you. There's more for me than there are against me. And it is true. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And I pray that over every person, Lord. I pray that right now in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask our guys to come, our prayer team. We're going to pray for people this morning. And um, as they come, you come to the altar if you need someone to agree with you. No, sometimes you just have to agree. Any two agree. It's touching anything. It shall be done by my Father in heaven. And some of you, there may be someone you've never given your life to Jesus Christ Today is the day of salvation. And if you're watching online, I'm going to pray with you right now because this is your hour. This is your moment. And the Holy Spirit has set this moment up just for you. And you may say, how, how can I know that I'm saved? How can I know I'm going to heaven? Well, first of all, you got to know that you need God. And only God can make that known to you. He's the one that draws us. But if he's drawing to you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. You pray something like this. You pray after me, but you mean it in your heart. Just say, dear God, I need you. And I believe in you. And I confess that I've sinned against you. And I thank you that the blood of Jesus can wash me. And I believe now in Jesus as the son of God. That he lived, he died, and he rose from the dead. And I confess you as the Lord of my life. I turn from my own ways. And I make you, Jesus, my way. I receive you by faith. And I thank you, Lord. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit and with the fire of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.